0: Well, good morning. Welcome, everybody. My name's Levi. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to be back with you. Last week, I was in uh, our sister church, Crossroads Wasian, Had the opportunity to uh, to go home, sort of. Um, they planted us 15 years ago, and so I just had the opportunity to kind of recount the whole history of how Crossroads Wasion planted Crossroads Napoleon. It was just a great morning of celebration. They did a series on uh, learning how to live open-handed before the Lord, And so they did that whole series four weeks prior, and then I got to kind of wrap it up and say, here are the rewards for what happens when you're open-handed before God. They sent 60 people down, uh, money, resources, staff members to invest in this community, and I got to tell them that there will be people in heaven that they don't know who may come up to them and say, I'm here because you were open-handed, and you invested outside of the walls of your church building. So super cool. Sorry I wasn't here, but it was, it was really fun to be back up there. I'm also, actually, I was going to apologize. I'm not going to apologize based off of the, the worship set that we just sang. Uh, that song set a fire in our hearts. There's no place I'd rather be than here in your love. Some of you may be disappointed. I personally was disappointed this morning that we're not in our new space, but... That song kind of reoriented my heart, reoriented my perspective, and there's no place that I would rather be than with the Lord and with you all. Whether that's in this room or the room in the back or outside in a field, it does not matter because the church is not a building, right? Yeah. So that's, uh, I'll say that. Now, that that said, I am encouraged. The last week we've had men and women, a couple guys took work off for a, a day or two to help. We've had people here late into the evening. We are busting it to get her done. And we didn't quite make it this week. I think this next week we probably will be in the back, but I just wanted to hear I wanted you all to hear me say thank you. Thank you for giving. You you give crazy so generous. It's of the Lord. Thank you for that. And you don't just give of your money. So many of you are giving of your time. This project in our building, it could not happen without you all. And so I want you to know that as your pastor and, and Wes and the elders, we appreciate you all so incredibly much, not just for how you serve, you're so gracious, and truly, there is no place I would rather be than be here with you all on this beautiful Sunday morning. So thank you. Yeah, it's been good. Sure, yeah, yeah Barb, you can clap. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Now, as, as we're talking, we've had a lot of focus put on our building, right, in the last couple months here. And that's been necessary because there's been a lot to do. It's a giant project, and I believe it's a necessary one. I think we've said this, our, our, our building is a tool for ministry. And over the years, over the last 15 years or so, it's gotten less than sharp. And here's what I mean by that. I like to think of it in terms of kitchen knives. When I was growing up, my mom never had a sharp knife in our kitchen ever, like never. And it, it annoyed me which is kind of crazy. I didn't do like a lot of cutting, but when I did, I was like, what the heck? Why don't we have any sharp knives in this house? I used to get really worked up and so much that I used to say, when I get married, I will have sharp knives, and I do. (laughs) Rachel and I cut our fingers on them all the time. (laughs) We do, right? But that's how I think about our building. Anyone who knows, you can cut vegetables with a dull knife. It just doesn't work as well. And so when I think about our building, I think of it in terms of a kitchen knife. It, it's time to sharpen it. And so we've, we've taken time to sharpen this building so that hopefully it will be a more effective tool to help the lost get found and the found live free. And so a lot of our focus has gone to the building project, and that's all right, and that's good. But with our focus on that, I want to make sure that we don't lose where our focus ought to be, okay? You see, When we enter into seasons of shifts and and changes, which we are as we upgrade our facility, there are some shifts and changes coming. And seasons of change and seasons of shifts can tempt us to forget who we are. And so I thought for the next three weeks, I thought it would be super helpful to simply reset our focus and remind us who we are as the church in Christ Jesus. Now, as I sat down to write this, I realize that this exercise of refocusing our identity and reminding ourselves of who we are, it's not just something we should do corporately. This is a habit that we should get into regularly. I believe it's, it's one of Jesus' main missions in our lives is to remind us of who he made us to be. And I also think that this is also one of the devil's main areas of attack in our lives. Learning to see ourselves as we are in Christ, it's vital. It's vital to our freedom, it's vital to our fruitfulness. And so Jesus is constantly reminding us, this is who you are. This is who I created the church to be. He's reminding us through his word, through his spirit, this is who you are. And Satan and the world are on the flip side of that. They are constantly lying to us about who we are and about who, who, what our identity is. The world and the flesh and the devil hopes to divide us. We lose sight of our identity to distract us from what the main purpose is of our identity, to discourage us and to deceive us. And so for the next three weeks, I'd like you to join me in learning to see ourselves as Jesus sees us. Now, there are a lot of ways that we could answer answer the question, what is the church? There are a lot. There's a lot. A lot that are biblical. But as I was studying and reading this week, I realized that I think Jesus gives us three answers to that question what is the church that kind of flow up to the top? When you think about who we are and what the church is, I believe that Jesus desires us to see his church as a community, as a corporation, and as a cause. You say, Well, Levi, where are you getting this? There's one place in Scripture where all three of these metaphors come together. It's only one verse. It's in Philippians 2, verse 25. Paul is writing, the Apostle Paul who wrote Romans. We're stepping out of Romans for a minute, but we'll get back into it. Paul's writing. He's inspired by the Spirit of Jesus. He's writing a letter to the Philippians, and I think it's very interesting how he speaks to a man named Epaphroditus in this letter. As you will see, there are three main functions of the church that are coupled together here. So let's look at it briefly. Is it up already? It's already up. He says, but I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. And here it is. My brother. He's a family member. My co-worker. He's a part of an organization, a corporation. And my fellow soldier, there's a cause that we are fighting for. I'm going to send my brother, my co-worker, my fellow soldier to you. See, in this one verse, we can see in Paul's mind that he, he sees the church as a community, a family that cares for one another, a corporation, co-workers that are organized to function well together, and a cause with soldiers on a mission. And so for the next three weeks, I'd like to simply just examine these three identities with you to hopefully, hopefully, hopefully better understand one another, right? If, if one person is coming and, and just thinking the church is a family and another person is coming and thinking just the, the church is a corporation, sometimes we can see past one another. The trick is to be able to hold all three of these identities sort of in concert. And so I just want to talk with you for, for three weeks together to kind of flesh all of this out. This morning, we're going to delve deeper into the church as a community, a family that cares. If you've spent much time with us, none of this will probably be new to you. It will probably be a refresher, right? We speak often of how when we get saved or what we like to say when we get found by Jesus, that we are reborn into a new family. The Bible talks a lot about adoption. When we get found by Christ, we're adopted into his family. We become sons and daughters of the King Most High, children in his court. This is just a beautiful truth of scripture. To those of you who feel abandoned, who feel alone or isolated, hear this. Jesus came to give you a new family, a home, a home that you can belong to. He came to give us a people. If your biological family is a mess, Right? We all have a few characters, but some of us have a lot of characters in our family. If your biological family is a mess, the hope of the gospel is that Jesus has a new and better family for you to belong to. And this is why we say there is no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. That's not a thing in scripture. You and I are never saved alone. We are saved into a family. Folks, this is why I get really frustrated when i see things on facebook or i hear people say in conversation well i don't really need the church right i'm a christian but i don't go to church i'm a christian and, and i i just do church online i hate that i hate that because there is no such thing as a lone ranger christian in scripture right there's no category where you can just be a, a christian alone in isolate, isolation apart from a, a greater community no that's not a thing the church isn't primarily an individual thing It's made up of individuals, yes, and amen to that. But the church is a community. It's a community. It's a family that cares for one another. Specifically, it's the family of God. It's his people. And again, this should come as no surprise to us. From Genesis through Revelation, God has been telling us over and over and over again that he is creating a family for himself. God has always been about making a people for himself. He created Adam and Eve to rule and reign with him, to extend his rule and reign throughout his kingdom as his sons and daughters, as a family. But Adam and Eve, they were rebellious sons and daughters. They didn't want to be a part of God's family. And so while they rebelled and they abandoned God, the beautiful news of the gospel is that God did not abandon us. He did not abandon his plan to make a people. No. Right after Adam and Eve sinned, God went to work covering their sin, covering them shame, their shame, calling them back into the family. And then He called Abraham, and then He called Isaac and Jacob, and then He called Joseph, and then He called Moses and Joshua and King David. And 4,000, 2,000 years later, He called Jesus. Why? To make a family for Himself. A people, his people, his own possession here on this earth. And this metaphor is all over the place in Scripture. It's everywhere. Specifically, 1 Thessalonians is dripping with the idea that God's church is his family that cares for one another. Again, the Apostle Paul, he's a a prolific writer, right? He wrote more than half of the New Testament. He writes another letter to the Thessalonians and if you were to go, go and read Thessalonians, you see this familial language all over the place. In 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 1 through 10, Paul writes that, the, he writes to the Thessalonians, he reminds them, he said, listen, I wanna praise you for all of the good things that are happening in the community of believers, not individually, in the community that God has established at Thessalonica. He says good things are happening and God is getting glory through the power that is on display by the love that is being displayed between the believers within that community. He says, more precisely, he says God's power and love is on display through the spiritual brothers and sisters at Thessalonica. And then in chapter 2 and 3, Paul recounts his visit to them in this community language. Again, it's very familial. In verses 7 and 8 of chapter 2, Paul speaks about how I came to this church in Thessalonica as a mom as a mother why to feed and care for the children in God's church and then in verses 11 and 12 he says not only did I come as a mother I came also as a father to instruct and discipline more specifically to encourage comfort and urge you all to live wives worthy of God and then in verses 17 of 20 hear this Paul boasts as a proud parent Of his spiritual children read it with me he says dear brothers and sisters after we were separated from you for a little while though our hearts were never separated they never left you why because we're family we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you we love to see you we want to see you we wanted very much to come to you and i and paul we tried again and again but what satan prevented us because he wants to divide god's family separate god's family after all, verse 19, what gives us hope and joy, and what will be our proud reward and crowned as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It's you, Paul says. And then like a proud daddy, yes, you are our pride and joy. Clearly, when Paul thinks of God's church, one of the primary metaphors he sees is that the church is a family. Brothers and sisters, Fathers and mothers, children that he longs to see, they are his pride and joy, he says. Here's my point, folks. Again, the church is not a building. It's not. It never will be a building. The church is and always has been a community. It's a family that cares for one another. And Paul, armed with this knowledge, he then prays in 1 Thessalonians 3, At the end of chapter three, he prays a prayer that instructs us how we ought to think about ourselves here at Crossroads as a member of God's family. You see, while we may be tempted to think of ourselves as just a building or just a service that we attend, the Bible calls us into something far deeper, far better, and far more transforming than that. The church is a family that cares for and loves one another in a way that builds up believers in maturity of faith and works. I want you to look with me at First Thessalonians 3 verses 6 through 13 Then we'll highlight a few things, remind us of what the church is supposed to be. It's picking up in verse 6 of 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul says, but Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we might see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Now, here's what I want you to see. Firstly, firstly, in the beginning of this section, Paul says the church is supposed to be a place where you find people you long to be with, that you long to be with. If you look at verses six through 10, Paul says that he longs to see the Thessalonians and they long to see him. He says also that because of them, he has great joy when he enters into God's presence. He says, I pray earnestly that I would be able to come back and see you. See, there is so much here, folks. The reality is if you don't find a people you long to see at church, then the church isn't going to be a very transformative place for you. And you likely won't experience as much joy in God's presence as you could because joy is relational. It's meant to be shared. You see, too often we view the church as a service that we attend rather than a community or a family that we belong to. And friends, that mistake costs us dearly. Have you ever wondered why some small groups seem to be so life-giving and transformational and others just feel kind of like a a checklist, right? A duty that we have to check off. Well, I know I ought to attend this, so I guess I'm going to go. Have you ever wondered what the difference is? Have you ever wondered why some people love to be here on a Sunday morning? They make it a priority. Their schedule revolves around being here on Sunday. And other folks just kind of see if they can fit it in into their hectic schedule right? If, it's just, if it fits in, we'll go, but if not, like if we can check it off the list and make it happen, then awesome, but if not, have you ever wondered what the difference is? It's friendship. It's friendship. I understand that not everyone will be best friends here. I understand that. I get that. Not everyone is going to be best friends here, but this is this leadership, my, my prayer, the prayer here is that you all would find friends here to share life together, that you wouldn't just come and slip in and out and kind of check off your list, but that you would actually find people that you love, that you can belong to, that you can pray with, that you can do life together with, you can carry one another's burdens and spur one another on towards love and good deeds. You can't do that if you just come and sit in a service. It takes time and effort outside of the service. That's the difference between a transformational small group It's men and women who said, we're not just gonna come and check this off our list when it's on the schedule. We're gonna actually make an effort to befriend one another. We're gonna hang out outside of church and go to our kids' stuff and go on vacation together and do life together. That's the difference. It's whether or not you find your people here. And it is my hope and my prayer that you will find your people here. And I'm begging you to join with me in this mission. Don't just say, well, there's nobody here that I can, no, yes, there is. There are people here you can befriend. Make it a priority, and make it a prayer request. God, give me friends at Crossroads. I want to know people here, and I want to be known by people here. I've called this fridge friends. Not everybody likes this. Some people hate this. One of our elders hates it. He's like, it makes me feel uncomfortable. It's like, I don't care. This is how I think. This is how I think. Fridge friends, right? When I was growing up, you knew if you reach family status in someone's home, if you could go into their home or they could come into your home and raid your fridge without asking. I want you to have that with a few folks here. I realize not everybody's going to have it, right? Some of you are all like, hey, my fridge friend? It's like, no, some of you aren't fridge <laughs> friends, right? <laughs> you know who you are. But, but I want you to have that with a few people here. And I believe that if you have a fridge friendship, right? My brother lives next to my mom and dad. He's going to hate me that I tell this, but I have to. He lives right next to my mom and dad. We call it the the compound, right? Mom and dad and Logan and Sarah live right there. He quit buying buying pop because mom and dad have a fridge in their garage that always has pop. And so if he wants it, he just goes over and gets it, right? And he can do that because he's family, because he's family, right? So we joke about this, but, but listen, when Jesus saves you, when Jesus finds you, He brings you into a family. And you might not be biologically related, but y'all, the blood of Jesus courses through your veins and through my veins. We're blood. We're blood. We're united by the blood of Jesus. And this is where we experience joy, church, when we find our people. Again, joy is a relational word. It's knowing that there are people that are happy to see you. It's knowing that God is happy to see you. Folks, the gospel screams this. God wants to see you. He wants to regularly see you. He wants you in the family so much so that he gave up his one and only son so that you could know, that you could know, that you could know that God is always happy to see you and he's got a family of people that will always be happy to see you as well. Church, if... If the church is just a service you attend in some fancy new building, you will never experience the deep transformation or care that you and I require because God has chosen to primarily care for his people by his people. That's how he set it up. Again, the good news of the gospel tells us that this isn't a work that you have to do to belong, right? Everywhere else you have to try and fit in. You don't have to do that here because the good news of the gospel says Jesus has already done that work. If he's found you, you fit in here. You fit in here. I don't care what your age is, what your hobbies or interests are, what, what you're into. I don't care. Jesus doesn't care. This church doesn't care. If you're in Jesus, you fit, you fit here because you're in Jesus. And his blood says that you fit and you are a part of this family. And then once you fit, as brothers and sisters, as mamas and dads and aunts and uncles, as grandmas and grandpas, we are about looking after one another, caring for our weak, and are young, to help them grow up into maturity, to become young men and women trailblazers in the family of God. That's the purpose that God creates the family. That's the purpose. So the first point is find your fridge friends here. Make it a priority. Make it a prayer request. Find your people here. You fit because you have the blood of Jesus. Secondly, he says once you fit into the family, once you fit into the family, let's be about the work of caring for and spurring and encouraging the faith of one another to build up maturity in our brothers and sisters. Look with me at verses seven through 10. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged. We encouraged each other. We were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you're standing firm in the Lord. How How can we thank God enough for you in return for all of the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we might see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. See, church, God has made us into a family so that we can care for one another, we can encourage one another, we can help each other to stand firm in our faith, and we can fill in each other's gaps. We have blind spots. We need each other to point out those blind spots, to hold us accountable, to spur us along. This building project that we've been in, It served as a reminder to me of how important it is to have such a diverse family that the Lord has put together here. Some of you might disagree with this because I know I can come across differently sometimes, but I'll admit and pray into this status of humility, I don't know everything. (laughs) I don't. Sometimes I think I do, but I don't know everything. I don't see everything. I don't know everything, and because of that, I need you all to help fill in my gaps. We need each other to fill in our gaps. We need each other to encourage one another. At times when things have gotten tense in the building project, and we missed deadlines and moved on, and I've gotten discouraged or stressed or overwhelmed, a couple of brothers in here have noticed, and they pulled me aside, and they've asked about it. And they propped me up and they said, hey man, it's not a big deal. Let me give you some perspective. And they prayed with me and they prayed over me. We need each other to encourage one another, to help develop people into Christ-likeness, Christ'-likeness, grow up more and more into what it looks like to be a follower of God. I'm in an every man a warrior group right now with men ranging from the age of 32 into their late 50s. It's been awesome. We're talking about how to love God. We're talking about how to parent, how to be better husbands, And it's been awesome to have that wide range of ages because some guys have been where I haven't. And I've got to ask them questions. How did you do this? What worked? What didn't? How did you spur your kids on in faith? What worked? What didn't? We did this. We do this because we're a family. Again, God creates a family to encourage and strengthen us to care for each other, to fill in each other's gaps. And then Paul continues and he says, I pray that this love that you experience, this care that you experience for one another, I pray that it would grow, that it would increase, and that eventually it would overflow into others. Jesus, when he talked about his church, he said, I pray that they would know you are in my family by how you love one another, how you care for one another. That's what makes a community distinct, at least the community of the gospel. It's when he takes a bunch of misfits, a bunch of ragtag group of people that shouldn't have anything in common, he puts them together and you love each other so incredibly well that the world looks at at you all and he says, what's your deal? Why are you guys together? And we say it's because of the blood of Jesus. It's because we are united by the blood of Christ. We're blood brothers through the spirit of Christ. All right, I'm rambling. I totally lost place where I'm at here. Let me find it quick. Let me find it. Where am I at? All right. All right. Here's why I'm asking you to refocus. We're not focusing on a building. We're focusing on a church as a family this morning. Firstly, if you want to grow in Jesus, you can't do it alone. You can't. You cannot do it alone. You need a people you belong to and you long to be with. So make it a priority to make some fridge friends here. And make it a prayer request to make some fridge friends here. I realize that not everyone is going to be best friends, but this is my hope and prayer that we will begin to form these connections more. Our, our new facility I'm pumped about because of the huge foyer and we built it in a way that you can't just slip out, right? That you're gonna have to rub shoulders. That was intentional. We have the cafe front and center so you mingle and you meet one another. We're doing the over 50 thing so we can create space for y'all to make some fridge friends and some of that. We're trying to help you in this, but commit to do this with us. Secondly, I want you to start thinking of yourself, if you haven't already, as a vital brother or sister, a father or mother, a grandma or grandpa here at Crossroads. We need you. We need every one of you healthy and running on all cylinders, knowing your gifts and serving, doing chores around here. This body is only as healthy as our weakest sheep. So let us help you get healthy and then view yourself as a mother, or si- a mother or brother, father, or sister, as a f- vital and family member, a part of this church. If you've been found by Jesus, you are now a child of the King. You've been born into this family and know that nothing can change that. No amount of good works or service projects you participate in here isn't going to increase your standing. No amount of failure is going to take you out of this family. Not even your death can remove you from this family. Your standing here is safe. So embrace that security. If you're here, you fit and we love you. I don't care what your past is, what your future's going to be. If you're in Jesus, you're a part of this family. You're, you're secure. Recognize that. Embrace that. And also, recognize that Well, we don't get to choose our brothers and sisters, right? In the same way you don't get to choose your brothers and sisters, your aunts and uncles, you don't get to choose your family members here. But God calls you to love them. To love them. To make it a priority. To... to to befriend them, to do life with them. Again, not based on your hobbies, on your shared interest, on a life stage, none of that. But because your blood, you share the blood of Jesus with them. Along with that, you and I are called as brothers and sisters to do chores around this house. We're called as fathers and mothers to look out for our young and our weak. We're called to help each other grow up and become mature followers of Christ. We're called to be aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandpas who care for one another. We've all seen what God is doing here. He's growing us as a family. We're getting full, right? It's time to move back. He's growing us as a family. If we want to continue to care for one another well and make sure that no one gets left behind or left out, if we want to raise up the next generation of believers who are free and fruitful, who are strong and mature in the faith, it's going to take all of us. Your elders, your pastors, We cannot provide all of the care that is needed here within this family. It's going to take all of us. We need to do this together. Brothers and sisters, the church isn't a building. It's a community. It's a family who cares. Let's not forget it as things shift here at Crossroads. But let's also, let's remember that's not the only thing that the church is, Right? I've heard a few folks, and it's not, not a ton, but a few folks express some concern or some fear even as we're shifting and growing. There's a, I think there's a little bit of fear that, that things might change here at Crossroads, that this tight-knit feeling that we have and the community that God's created, the family culture that he's created, that it might change. I understand as things change, we always lose some things. As things shift, there's always, there's always some changes and there's some loss with that, but I want you to know that is always God's plan, has always been God's plan to make a people, a family, and to grow that family. And if God is the one who makes a family, and if he's the one who grows the family, then don't you think we can trust him to maintain that family DNA? You need not fear, is what I'm trying to tell you. Fear has no place in God's kingdom. We're told that his perfect love will actually drive out that fear from our midst. So as things change and we move into a different space, please know that God will maintain this tight-knit community that he has created, because he created it. And he's the one who sustains it. So know that there's nothing to fear. Just put that out of your head. We will grow small, right? We'll do our part. We'll grow in small groups, and we'll do our part to make sure that everyone feels welcome and that everyone still feels a place here at our table. So it's important that we recognize we need not fear. And secondly, it's important that we recognize that although God calls us a family, that's not all he calls us. Sometimes we can get into that family idea, like we got to protect our own. We got to just focus on ourselves. And you've seen churches that, that only look out that one window. What's the church? Well, it's a family and nothing else. Well, that's not true. It's also a cause. There's lost that need to be found. There's people who are not free, who need to be brought in the freedom of Jesus. There's gospel that needs proclaiming. There's a cause, church. And as we grow, there's a corporate side to this. There are structures that need to be built. And so we just need to learn to hold all of that in concert with one another. If we focus too hard on the family thing, then we might get insular, right? We might get inbred. You all know how that, that's not a good thing. And not outward focus. We don't want that, right? So we've got to hold it all in there, okay? So we'll spend the next two weeks talking about the other two metaphors together. Wes is like, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> you get what I mean. All right. Let me pray and the the band will come out. Father, thank you. Thank you for this this body of believers. Thank you for the men and women that you have called here, that you have found through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the work that Christ did on the cross and shedding his blood and raising to new life to inject that blood into our veins so that we might be called children of the Most High God. I pray, Father, that if there's anyone here who feels like they do not belong, I pray that the Spirit of Jesus would come over them in this moment and remind them that if they are found in Christ, they fit here because your blood flows through their veins. And Father, as we move forward and make some shifts here and changes, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to find our place in this family. Help us to look for the chores that you've gifted us to do. Help us to look out for one another. I pray that every person in here would find fridge friendships with just a few others, a, a group of people that they can belong to, that they are happy to see and they long to be with and they long to be with them and that joy that is shared among them would knit them together and help them, as Paul says, experience increasing joy in your presence as they realize that not only are there a people that are happy to see them, there's a God who's even more happy to see them in Jesus. Father, there is no place I would rather be every Sunday and throughout the week than here in Henry County with these folks. Thank you for them. Thank you for what you're calling us into. Lord Jesus, help us shift into a higher gear of helping the lost get found and the found live free. For your glory and our joy, we pray.